All right, well, it's good to be here tonight. I uh, almost feel bad on a Sunday night where pastor's here to, to fill the pulpit, but um, it's a privilege to be here and be at our church. You know, uh, going to Bible college for four, five years and growing up in this church and then having the opportunity to come back with Catherine and to serve in this church, it really, honestly, has been a dream of mine since high school. And, you know, I feel even though 23 years old, I'm doing exactly what God's wanted me to do and is serving in this church. And I love being here. And I appreciate everyone in the church and their encouragement throughout the years, from when I first came and joined the youth group in sixth grade uh, to being here now. And definitely love this church, and this place definitely, definitely means a lot to me. Uh, just to go into what Pastor uh, was mentioned uh, earlier about the, uh, I'm going to use this, Rob, if that's all right. Justin, good? All righty. Um, what uh, Pastor was talking about earlier as far as the uh, bus splits that we're doing on September 19th. Um, pretty much it's very simple, very basic. We're taking Danbury, and we're going to split it into five different uh, areas. And we're going to have a team leader in charge of those different areas, different men that I've asked in the, in the church who have agreed to uh, oversee that team. And we're going to go on a Saturday morning for about an hour and a half uh, to two hours at the most. And we're going to get the word out there as much as we can about our church, about the bus ministry, and about what we do here. Uh, we're going to have flyers, uh, we're going to have door hangers in English and in Spanish with the gospel on it, and it's going to be a great opportunity to sign people up, to get people into church, uh, to bring the gospel to the people in, the ho- in their homes in Danbury, and if you're not comfortable with whether soul winning or you're not comfortable with knocking doors or visiting, that's fine. Like Pastor said, come anyways, you know, we'll put you with somebody who knows where you can learn from and just participate. I think we have about 20-something people signed up downstairs. We'd love to have at least 50 and put 10 people or uh, 10 church people in every section, in the five sections, so we really can just get the word out there and uh, tell people about the bus ministry and uh, share the good news of the gospel and tell them about our church and bring hope and revival, hopefully, to our city. You know, we live in a, in a uh, city of over 80,000 people, and uh, people who really are, whether you believe it or not, are looking for answers, are looking for hope, and maybe they don't even know it, but are looking for God. Me and uh, Catherine and Amanda went visiting yesterday, and this, it was just, it, this point just, became, just lived out to me when we knocked on the door, we were following up with somebody we signed up at the Sunday dinner, and we went there, we talked to the mom, and she said, yeah, my kids can come, of course. They ended up coming this morning, but they had their friend there, and uh, his name was Adam, and he said, hey, I, I want to go to church too, you know, I, I live right down here, can, uh, can you, you know, come talk to my mom? So sure, of course. So we walked down, and we went in the home, and the mom was very nice and very generous, and she, she uh, sat me and uh, Amanda and Catherine down on the couch and was talking to us for a while. And she said to us, she said, you know, I used to go to church uh, a lot, and recently over the, I've had a knee surgery, and I've been recovering the past few months. But it's funny that you come here today because I've been praying for God to send someone here to show me the church that I should go to. And she looked at me and Catherine and Amanda and said, you're an answer to my prayers. She said, I definitely want my son, Adam, to go to church with you. And as soon as I recover and I'm able to walk, I'm going to go with him too. And sure enough, Adam came to church today with his friends. But it just shows me that there's people in our city who are looking for God, who are looking for answers, who are looking for hope. And we have that here as a church. There's a website that I, uh, that I found through a preacher that I follow on, uh, on, on Twitter and uh, what you do is you take a, uh, a, a, like a pinpoint, like on a map, on MapQuest or something, you can drop it anywhere, and you can draw 
a, a circle or a radius that can extend a certain amount of miles, and it tells you how many people live in that radius. And so I did that for our church just out of curiosity and dropped it right here on 101 East Pembroke and Danbury. And I believe I drew about a five to, uh, five to seven, eight-mile radius. And the website told me that there was over, close to 90,000 people that live within nine miles of where I stand tonight. Nine, close to 90,000 people. And honestly, that just blew my mind. Mr. Vasek has told me before that, and I believe Pastor too, that in the, in, the, in the 1980s, I believe, or maybe the early 90s, that Wally Beebe, many, many of you might not know who he is, but he's known as Mr. Bus, kind of start the bus ministry. And he actually came to Colonial Hills right down the street when they were uh, running uh, five or six buses and gave them the award for the biggest bus ministry in, the, in the New England, in the Northeast. They were running five, six buses into Danbury every week. And I don't tell you that tonight because I want to be the biggest or the best. I tell you that tonight because to show you it has been done. And it can be done again. And I believe with all my heart that God can use our church to bring revival to Danbury. God can use our church to reach people. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you tonight. You know, the bus ministry, if, if it is done right, with the right motives and sincere, is one of the purest forms of ministry that you'll ever work, that you'll ever find. And it's very and extremely close and important to the heart of God. And that's what I want to show you tonight. If you turn your Bibles to uh, kind of a strange passage, but you'll see where I'm going. It's a book of Zechariah. <clears throat> Zechariah chapter 7. I know it'll take you a minute probably to find it. <laughs> I won't be long at all tonight. Um, I took a preaching two class in college, and the, and the teacher, I won't say his name, but he taught us, uh, he said, you know, if you can't get a, a point across or a message across and 30 or 35 minutes, then, you know, he shouldn't preach, and then he would go in chapel the next day and preach for an hour and a half, so, but uh, take it for what it is. <laughs> but Zechariah chapter 7, and while you're, while you're turning there, just going to give you a little background of the book of Zechariah, if you don't really know uh, much about that book. But the book of Zechariah, it's written, or it takes place post-captivity. Pastors talked about the past, uh, some Sunday nights in the past year recently, uh, about the uh, nation of Israel and how King Nebuchadnezzar came in and he, uh, he conquered them and he, he took them into captivity. And the Bible tells us that they were in captivity for 70 years under, the Babylon, uh, under King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylonian rule for 70 years. Now that 70 years has come to a close, has come to an end, and they are coming back now to Jerusalem or coming back to, uh, to God's nation and they're kind of, there's only a small remnant of them, the Bible describes it, it says a small remnant of them who are returning. And they're kind of discouraged, kind of wavered, maybe kind of confused, to, and they need someone to get them on track and get them back onto obeying the commandment of the Lord and to motivate them and encourage them to rebuild the, uh, the temple, the second temple, which they go on to do. And that's what God uses Zechariah as a prophet to come and to really just encourage them and really to, to motivate them and help them. At least through chapters 1 through 8 of Zechariah, that's really what it is of Zechariah, God using him to motivate them and get them back on track now that the captivity is over and they are back. In Zechariah chapter 7, we find in, uh, in the verses that we'll go to here in a moment, God's people come to him and uh, they say, God, you know, we're back now and should we partake in this traditional fast that we do? There was a fast that they, that they would do the fifth and a certain day on the fifth month and the seventh month of every year. And they said, should we, we're back now. Should we continue in that fast, in that tradition? God kind of comes back to them right away and he says, listen, I don't want you to come and, 
and uh, you're not sincere. I'm not getting any glory out of just your, relig- your religious, traditional, out of, out of habit fast. He's like, I don't, I don't want you to do that. He's like, but here's what I do want them to do, Zechariah. This is what I want you to go and tell them. Forget the fast. Forget the, the traditional fifth and seventh month of every year fast. But I am going to tell you what I want them to do. And then what I'm going to tell them to do is the same thing that I told their fathers and the generations before them to do. And they didn't listen, and it was one of the reasons why they went into captivity. But this is what I want you to tell them to do, and you'll pick it up if you follow in Zechariah 7, verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and show mercy and compassion every man to his brother. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor. And let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. So they come to God, they say, God, are we supposed to, you know, continue in our, in our fast and our prayer? God says, no, I, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to worry about the fast and the prayer. What I do want you to do, though, I want you to execute true judgment. I want you to show mercy and compassion to everybody. I want you to reach out to the widow, the fatherless, the stranger, and the poor. If that's not the bus ministry in a nutshell, I don't know what verse is. And let none of you imagine evil against his heart. God says, that's what I want you to do. Because I told the generations before you to do that, and they didn't listen to me. In fact, this is what they did. Pick it up in verse 11. But they refused to hearken and pulled away their shoulder, almost saying, get your hand off me. Pulled away their shoulder and stopped their ears, almost like a little kid putting their hands over their ears, that they should not hear. Yea, they made their heart as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts hath sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Now notice this, verse 13. Therefore it has come to pass that as he cried, and they would not hear, so they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. So God, are we we coming coming to you? Should we do our fast? Should we pray? God says, no, forget that. I want you to go out. I want you to love everybody. I want you to reach the poor. I want you to reach the stranger. I want you to reach the widow. I want you to reach the fatherless. I want you to show compassion to them. You understand that God could have told them to do anything. God could have told them, you know, no, I do want you to pray, or I want you to read your Bible, or I want you to do this and do this and do this. But he told them something, and if he told them this, it must be very close to God's heart if he told his people this. And that's to reach out and love people and show compassion to those different groups of people that he lists there and show, execute true judgment. It shows me that that right there is very important to the heart of God. But the people, the fathers before them said, you know what, we're not going to listen to that. We're not going to do that. We don't need to do that. We don't have time for that. And they pulled away their shoulder. And verse 13 very clearly says, God said, okay, you're not going to listen to me. You're not going to do and reach the people that are closest to my heart. You're not going to follow my voice and my cry. Then I'm not going to hear your cry. And I'm not going to hear your prayer. And it was one of the main reasons, among many, why God allowed them to go into captivity. Imagine being shut off from God Almighty. Imagine your prayers just not getting to God. You know, imagine churches and people across America who go to church every single Sunday, and they're faithful, and they go to church just for them. And you should go to church to be fed. You should go to church to fellowship and and get encouraged, and that's great, and that's awesome. But a lot of Christians go to church, and it's just, I'm going to come to church, I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to leave. And they forsake through the whole entire Bible where God shows us time after time after time after time Hey, I want you to go reach people, too. I want you to go love people, too. There's a thing called the Great Commission, and as Christians in a church, I want you to go do that. 
And many times Christians say, why isn't God working in my life? Why can't, is God hearing my prayers? Because we're so stuck on ourselves and we don't look at other people. You know, I thank God for a church where we do have outreach. I thank God for a church where we do have a Sunday dinner three, uh, every, every three months where we can reach people and we can love people, people that are important to God, people who God cares about, people who God commands us to love and to reach. And I thank God for that. I thank God for our bus ministry and the opportunity a lot of people might think, you know, that's, you know, that's still a cute thing that they do. They take a bus out and that's, that's a feel-good thing. That's nice. You know, that's a, that's a good, uh, you know, whatever. That's good. That's awesome. But dare I say, that might be one of the most important things our church does is go out into the city of Danbury and to reach people and to love people. I believe with all my heart that if Jesus was in our church, that he'd be the biggest and hardest worker on our bus route. He'd be working the hardest. He'd be talking to people. He'd be knocking doors. He'd be giving money. He'd do whatever he can. And that's, that's not just me making that up. That's evident through scriptures. That's evident through that chapter in Zechariah where I just showed you. Where he told his people, forget the traditional prayer, forget the fast, forget all that stuff. That doesn't bring glory to me. Go reach people. Go love people. Go reach the widow, the fatherless, the stranger, the poor. Show compassion to them. That's what I want you to do. You know, even all throughout scripture where Jesus is always going to reach out to someone who was in a, in a bad circumstance or looking for answers. Whether it was the woman at the well or the maniac at Gadara or the men with the, the, men with the withered hand, the blind men, the lepers, the thousands of people that he fed, the disciples who were just normal men who each had their struggles, whether uh, it was greed or, or cursing or whatever it was, and he reached to them and he loved them and he discipled them and he taught them and he, and he grew them. The Bible says that when Jesus looked on the crowds, he was filled with compassion. When he saw how many people were out there, he had compassion. And he looked to his disciples in Matthew 9, 37. Then saith he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We go to church in a city of 80,000 plus people. And I believe with all my heart, like I said previously, that God can use our church to reach those people. God can use our church. As Pastor, I, a few weeks ago, I talked about of bringing that sense of revival to the city of Danbury, that our kids and grandkids can grow up and say, something's happened in Danbury. God's doing something. You say, well, what can I do? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Number one, you can pray. You can pray. You say, you don't understand. I have a lot of responsibility in the church as it is. You know, I, I, do, I have this ministry and this ministry, and I work a full-time job, and maybe I'm just physically unable to really do what I could do on the bus route. Well, you can pray, though. Everybody can pray for our bus route. You can pray for the people who ride our bus. You can pray for the people in Danbury. You can pray that God can use us as a church to reach them. You can pray for protection as the bus goes out every single Sunday and goes up throughout the streets of Danbury, that God would protect the bus and that God would use the bus. You can pray for God's power, that God would fill us with his Holy Spirit, that God would give us a heart for our people and for the city and would give us compassion and mercy and love and for his power. You can pray for provision that God maybe someday can provide us a second bus and a third bus and a fourth bus and a fifth bus. And God can use our, our church to reach this city. Say, so what can I do? You can pray. Number two, you can participate. You can get involved. You can jump in. You know, there's churches all across America Churches that have huge bus ministries or that really make a difference and make a dent in their city for God, whether it's North Valley Baptist Church with Brother Treber, or First Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana, where I went to school, or Solid Rock Baptist Church in Berlin, New Jersey, which many of us have been to before. But all those churches and their bus ministry have one thing in common, and that's that a lot of those, those bus routes, that bus ministry, they're run by laymen in the church. They're run by Sunday school teachers. 
They're run by deacons. They're run with people in the church who have a heart for God that want to go out and make a difference. And as we grow and our bus route, bus route grows and they say that the summer is, you know, the winter of the church and God's work this summer and really has seen growth and seen, and seen riders. And, man, I'm just waiting for that day when they all come at one, at one time. And, uh, you know, we can have an even a bigger day. But God's working. And as our bus route grows and as we get another bus, we're going to need men in our church. We're going to need ladies in our church who are going to say, you know what, God, speak to me. Work in my heart about maybe i be a bus captain. Maybe I can give up an hour of my Saturday just to go out and visit an area in Danbury and be the bus captain of that area. Maybe I can give an hour of my Sunday morning to go and ride the bus. Maybe I can give an hour of my Sunday afternoon to go out. You know, 80,000 people, as I emphasized before, are not humanly speaking going to be reached by me, the Vasic family, Brother Fred, Brother Kit, Lauren, and uh, I'm missing some others, William. It's humanly speaking, Matthew, when he goes out, it's not going to happen. We're going to need people in a church to say, you know what, God, I, I feel like I'm not maybe that involved in something, but I want to participate. I want to get in. I want to jump in. I want God to use me to reach our city and to reach people. Pray and ask God what he would have you do. And I'll tell you one thing, September 19th, the bus blitz is a great place to start. It's a great place just to jump in and come for an hour and a half on a Saturday just to go out and get involved and spread the good news and give people hope and show people love. So number one, you can pray. Number two, you can participate. Number three, you can prepare. As we grow and countless numbers of kids and adults are going to start coming through these doors. You know, we had five visitors today. And uh, immediately I, I brought in, I found where their Sunday school teacher was. And I thank God that we had Sunday school teachers and Brother Corky and Brother Harold and Miss Roseanne who were prepared for those kids. They had a Sunday school lesson ready and prepared for those kids. They didn't know they were coming. They, they, were, they were surprised that they came. And they were prepared, ready to teach them the class. I walked downstairs and I saw Brother Corky marching him around the chairs, showing him and giving the illustration of the Battle of Jericho. And I thank God that we have Sunday school teachers who are prepared, who are ready to, to give. And I'm not talking about just give money towards our bus route, but there's many kids who come off that bus on Sunday who don't have a Bible and could use maybe somebody in the church to give them the Bible. I remember when I first came to the church in 2005 or six. Now, when I first came, one of the first things that happened was Aunt Shirley, who came to our church, gave me a green Bible, and I still have it right away. And she gave every kid in the church, if I remember right, a green. She always gave him a green Bible, and I still have that. I didn't even know, who is this lady? And she gives me a Bible. But that's awesome. That's what kids need who are coming off our, off our bus route. Those kids in your Sunday school class, those kids in junior church, those teenagers in the teen house, those adults who are in your Sunday school class who will come to church who don't even have a Bible. You can be prepared, ready to give, ready to teach them, ready to help them, ready to love them. And be living the right way during the week so that we really can influence them and help them. You say, what can I do? You can pray. You can participate. You can prepare. And then after you do that, I say, well, what can I expect? You know, then, then, then what happens? I can tell you a few things tonight that if you really jump in and you really get involved in the bus route and you really give your heart to people. And I'm not asking to commit your whole weekend. Just an hour on a Saturday, an hour or two on a Sunday. And you really get in and just give yourself to others. A few things that you can expect to happen. Number one, you can expect to think less of you and more of others. And that's a good thing, by the way. You know, sometimes I feel in my own life that I can have a lot on my plate and a lot to handle. And my family, who's still, you know, trying to do our best to deal with the passing of, of my grandma, who we're all very close to, and trying to juggle many things, whether it's working a job and working here at the church and helping Catherine get ready for a wedding, and feel like I can get overwhelmed and a lot of things on my plate at once sometimes. But then, you know, I sit at a uh, Sunday dinner and I 
see a teenager who uh, rides our bus every now and then and come up to me and Catherine and tell us that things in their home really aren't going good. That their mom is making some really bad mistakes and really bad decisions and it's really starting to get ugly. And their dad is trying to go to court and claim custody of them. They're spread out in different houses throughout all of Danbury. And I sit back and look and see, man, I really don't have it that bad. God certainly has been good to me. And when I go to prayer, you know, one of the first things I think of is that family. Don't worry about my problems. You know, God will take care of it. God will provide for me. But as I give and as I work and as I give my heart to people, I start to realize, you know, my, my problems compared to what these people go through, compared to what those people who stood in line at the Sunday dinner, man, they're a lot and far greater than ours. And I'm not downplaying your problems and your issues and things you go through. I know that everybody in this, in this church tonight has things they battle and troubles and issues that they go through. And, and they're hard, and you need God's help, and you need God to, to intervene. And I'm not downplaying that tonight, but I am saying that we do definitely have it good compared to a lot of people. God really sure has blessed us and taken care of us and provided us and loved our families compared to the people that ride our bus, the people in the city, the people at that Sunday dinner. You know, what can you expect? You can expect to think less of yourself and more of, more of others. You can expect to start seeing people the way God sees them, with eyes of compassion. You know, God looks at people and he sees somebody who has potential, who some of us might hold our breath when that door opens on Sunday morning. Please, I hope that kid didn't come on the bus that is coming to our Sunday school class. Okay, good, he's not here. <laughs> but God sees that kid or God sees that boy or that girl, or that teenager, he says, you know what? You know, they have potential. God can use, I can use them to do something great. And we need some people who, who see that, who see the potential in the people who get off their bus, who lose themselves for a minute, forget about their problems in their own world, and just give themselves to other people so they can see them the way God sees them. I'm sure that Brother Kit and Matthew and Jose could stand up here tonight and say, you know, I thank God for a church that when I came to church on the bus, there was people in this church who saw the potential in me. There was people who saw me with eyes of compassion and eyes of love and believed in me and encouraged me and visited me and were faithful to me. And here they are tonight in church how many years later? When you give your heart to people, you can expect to think less of yourself and more of others. You can expect to have eyes of compassion and see people the way God sees them. And then you can have the opportunity to see God work directly through you. I'll tell you one of the greatest and best things I love about the bus ministry is seeing and watching God for whatever reason, work through me, workers. How many times at college, and I ran two different routes in the north side of Chicago in my time at, at, at college, that, man, it was just, that was just God who showed up. That was all God. Man, I never in a million years would have thought that that rider's parents would come to church. And they got on the bus, they got saved, and they want to put their kids in Christian school, City Baptist, which is a school for the bus kids. I never thought in a million years, man, we would have a big day and we'd have three buses running. I'd run three buses on my route. And God, you know, here's our goal. We really want to hit it. You know, use us to make a difference and to reach our route. We want to hit 100. My first program as a bus captain. And I remember sending the two of my guys off with two of their buses and taking my bus and pulling it up to the corner of Artesian uh, and, and Division in Chicago. And pulling it up right there. And, and kids who I didn't even visit on Saturday were just flying on the bus. Who are you, man? I didn't visit you. Families who I had no idea were coming off, well, you know, they're, they're coming and we're their friends, so we're going to come. And parents coming. 
and families coming and teenagers coming and God blowing our goal out of the water. And all I can do is step back and say, God, that was all you. That was not me. That was not my workers. That was you just coming through. And firsthand, I'd have the opportunity to see God work directly through me and see God work through the workers on our bus route. And that's what I want for everybody in this church. The excitement, the zeal, the passion to say, wow, God, you work through me. You use me to get that person on the bus. You use me to get that person in church. You use me to see that person get saved and, and discipled and growing, in, and growing in you and growing in the faith and the Bible. You use me. And that's something that every Christian should, should desire. The opportunity to see God work directly through them. And can I tell you, when you get, in the, you get involved and you give your heart to people... You can expect to think less of yourself and more of others. You can expect to have eyes of compassion, see the people the way God sees them. You can expect the opportunity to see God work right through you. If you turn your Bible real quick, it's a verse I showed the bus workers yesterday that I want to show you tonight. Book of James, James chapter 1, verse 27. I told the bus workers yesterday in the meeting, there's a guy I work with. And uh, I'm trying to witness to him, he's, you know, a big liberal, and he's been hurt by church and thinks everyone's a hypocrite, that kind of person, and just kind of been working with him and, and, and being his friend and, and showing him verses from the Bible, but he always uses, throws the word around religion a lot and just pretty much defines everything there is out there, says one big religion. And I was reading my Bible the other day, and I, I've read this verse countless numbers of times, but it just popped out to me again. If you look in James 1, 26... The Bible says, if any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. God pretty much saying, you know, someone says, I go to church, I'm religious, I'm good, but they don't walk the walk, they don't talk the talk, you know, that's vain, that's hypocrisy, we don't have time for that. But God says, I will show you the definition of real religion, in verse 27. He says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. He's about to give us his definition of pure holy religion. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. God could have defined religion as anything he wanted to in the Bible. Anything he wanted to. It's prayer. It's fasting. It's soul winning. But in black and white, he says two things. Love, other, love the people who are less fortunate, the widows, the fatherless, those who need the Lord. Show them your love. That's, that's religion. That's pure and holy before me. And then keep yourself unspotted from the world so that you can influence those people. It goes hand in hand. And I love that verse that God just black and white gives us that definition. You know, I uh, look out, and I'm, I'm going to turn this on because I want to show you a video here in a second. You know, I look out to uh, our parking lot, and number one, well, first I see a paved parking lot, amen? <laughs> but I see also... You know, one bus that's out there right now that's going into Danbury. But you know, as I see and as I pray, I see two buses. And I see three buses. And I see four buses. And I see five buses that God can use our church to go to Danbury. That God can use our church to go and reach people. That God can use to bring glory to him and see people saved and see people's lives change. That God can use us. I see another bus. A bus that maybe goes up to Waterbury every weekend and reaches people and brings them to our church. I see another bus that maybe goes to Bridgeport and comes here and brings people. I see a few other buses that go to New York City and reach the Bronx and reach the boroughs and bring them to our church. You know, I see God doing something in this church. 
But can I tell you tonight, it's going to take Christians who are going to want to do something about it, who are going to want to get involved. No, I can't tell you how many times I, I see on Twitter or I see on Facebook or whatever Christians who are, man, our country is in, in shambles, and this has gone on this summer, and this has gone on this summer, and all these decisions, and man, this is horrible, this is awful, and just complaining about it the whole you know, time. And you know, that's fine, maybe they have a right to. But I can't help but stop and think how many of those people who make those statuses are doing something about the problem, who are being proactive and doing something about what they're complaining about, who are doing something. Maybe that's why our country is in the state it's in, because there's not enough Christians going out and doing something about it. And as a church, you have the opportunity, you have the privilege to do something about it in our city. You have the opportunity, whether it's through the Sunday dinner or whether it's through the bus ministry, to go out and help and ask God to use our church to reach 80,000 plus people and bring them to God. And see them get saved and see their lives changed. I can't stress to you tonight. I, I believe with all my heart that God really can use our church to do something. And I ask you and I urge you, you know, ask God what he would have you do. Whether it's just to pray and you say, I have so much on my plate already. That's fine. Totally understandable. Nobody's judging you. Nobody's looking at you. That's totally fine. I understand. But I ask you to mark the bus ministry and the bus route and the Sunday dinner on your prayer list and pray for us. Whether it's participate. Whether there's people in the church say, you know what, i, I got to get involved. I'm going to at least go to that thing on the 19th and sign up downstairs, and I'll, I will see what God leads from there. Maybe God will use me down the road to be a bus captain, whether I'm a man or a woman or whatever, whoever wants to get involved and do it. Or whether God will just say, you know what, God, I need to be a little bit more prepared. I'm going to give those kids a Bible. I'm going to make sure my Sunday school lesson's prepared. I'm not just going to walk by them in church when I see them on Sunday. And the teenagers are sitting back. I'm going to go and shake their hand and, and show them a smile and show them the love of Christ and ask God to use me Amen. and be prepared. Amen. Whatever it is tonight, whatever you decide and you want God to do, I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if this was just maybe a waste of your time. And if it is, I'm sorry. <laughs> go on the podcast and listen to one of pastor's sermons tonight. <laughs> but I urge you just to ask God what he would have you do, Amen. whatever it is. And understand that this is not just a cliche, this is not just a gimmick, this is not just me making this up. This is me showing you through scriptures why this is important to God. That this is very close to the heart of God. This is something that matters to God. And if it matters to God, it ought to matter to me, and it ought to matter to you. And we ought to get involved in it.